Uh, we're going to look this morning at a couple of passages of, of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and 1 Corinthians chapter, or excuse me, and 1 John chapter 4. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13 and 1 John chapter 4. Uh, let's start with 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not, love vaunts not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly. Love seeks not her own, is not easily provoked. Love thinks no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. We could just go home. That's like, I, I, love, I love that passage of scripture. Somebody said, uh, you know, that's one of the most important chapters in the New Testament, and that uh, the reason Paul emphasized it so much was it was an area where he really needed to uh, pay attention to, <laughs> really needed growth. And I think we could all join with Paul and say, yes, that's an area I could really grow, I could uh, really um, be changed in. Let's look at uh, 1 John chapter 4. These are two scripture texts. will be like a couple of scripture chapters this week instead of a couple of verses, but chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians and chapter 4 of 1 John. Uh, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Uh, hereby we know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesses not Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, uh, where you've heard that uh, it would come, and even now is already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. They, are, they that are of the world speak of the world, and the world hears them. We're of God, and he, know, and, and he that knows God hears us, and he is, uh, that is not of God doesn't hear us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every man that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not does not know God, because God is love, or for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Uh, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Remember, I'm going to continue just a second, but remember in the last long series that we did, it's, we have a tendency to focus our thoughts on how much we love God and how much we have faith in God and how much we believe God. But really, if we uh, tweak our thinking and focus really on how much God loves us and how much God believes in us, that's what has the impact because you realize um, he loved us when we were unlovely, Romans tells us, when we were unlovable, when we didn't deserve to be loved, he loved us. And if we start looking like, uh, you know, I'm so lovely, I'm so awesome, that's why God loves me. We start to slip back into um, works. And you look at you know, the book of Galatians where Paul wrote, he's like, you know, whoa, whoa, why are you so quickly going back to the old way of life? The old way was if you're 
uh, do works of righteousness. If, if you do this right, do that right, you don't do this wrong, don't do that wrong, then you're going to be right with God. Then you're going to be made perfect because of what you do. But the whole gospel message is not because of what we do or what we did, but it's all because of Jesus Christ, what he did and what he's constantly doing right now. You know, he's up at the right hand of God interceding for you and interceding for me. In other words, he's saying when you make a mistake or you mess up because you didn't do something you should or because you did something you shouldn't have done, either way, he's right there saying they're not guilty. I made a way for them to be made right. Actually, I took that mistake. I took care of it before they even were born, before they thought of it. I took care of that mistake for them because I love them so much. So it's really easy uh, to unconsciously become self-centered instead of God-centered, instead of Jesus Christ-centered. And we want to give all of the glory to what we have and who we are to Jesus Christ because without him, we are nothing. But with him, all things are possible. And we get sometimes in the faith camp or faith movement, we get so self-focused that we're like, I can do all things and you know, we may say the words, mouth the words through Christ, but we're really thinking because I'm so cool, you know, and I'm so cool that God loved me. Well, God created man and he loved man, but the reason that he saved you was because he is love, not because of the works that you did. And um, uh, when we approach God by the works of Jesus Christ, in other words, by the blood of Jesus Christ. When I say I plead the blood or I come by the blood, like uh, Hebrews talks to us so much about the blood of Jesus and the power of the blood, and that that blood is speaking today, that we used to, uh, not we really, but the Jews, or if you became a proselyte and became a Jew, you would have to take the blood of a bull or a goat or lamb um, to be made pure. But that was like once a, year, you know, once a year you had to go and the priest is the only one that could go in. Well, now we can go in and we don't have to take the blood because the blood is already there speaking right now on our behalf. Speaking. That blood is alive and it's, it's speaking on our behalf. Um, but God is love. And so one of my favorite books, <laughs> I should buy the new cover, but you know, you get an old book and you, you have all your highlights, you like where they're at and everything. So this has like a a lady and a little girl on it. And some of my guy friends make fun of me because they're like, that looks like a chick book, you know, or a girl book. And I'm like, well, you know, I like, I like the highlights in it. But it's called The Greatest Thing in the World. Uh, and Henry Drummond is the author of it. And um, they had been ministering, uh, I think, overseas. And, uh, um, oh, I just forgot his name. Moody Bible. Uh, who started Moody in Chicago? I tried Moody. Was it Moody? Yeah, I think it was D.L. Moody. Uh, he was ministering, and they, um, he was tired, and they were talking uh, after the service, and he's, they wanted him to give a little message. And he's like, you know, I'm tired. Have Henry Drummond give something. So Henry just opened up his Bible and started uh, reading out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and ministered one of the best messages I've ever heard on the subject of love, and it's in this little book right here. So D.L. Moody was so impressed that he said, I want this read in my Bible school every year at the beginning of every school year because it's that important and some amazing things. Well, he brings out the point here that we just read in 1 John chapter 4, that God is love. And the way I like to say it is, so a study in love is a study in God. And I always want to know more about God. I want to know him more and better and be closer to him. So realize that as we study love and be more acquainted with the love of God, we actually become more acquainted with him. Love is the currency of the kingdom of God. Love is how we interact, how we become who we've been made to be in Christ Jesus. 
So let's continue. I'll, I'll read verse 7 over again to continue. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not does not know God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because God sent his only Son into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. And, you know, propitiation, you could just say like a mercy seat. Remember the Old Testament, they had like the mercy seat, which was above the ark, the two uh, cherubim with the wings, you know, kind of outstretched like this. And that's where they would pour the blood, uh, sprinkle the blood. And so Jesus is the mercy seat for our sins. So, and that mercy seat speaks. You're not guilty. You're not, um, uh, your sins are not held against you. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby, or this is how we know that we dwell in him and that he in us because he has given us his spirit. And when we have, uh, excuse me, and we have seen and do testify the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever will confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and, and he in God. And we know and have believed the love of God has toward us. God is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. And that's kind of where I want to go today. God is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Now, you could, you know, I could teach, well, actually, it's a study in love, the study in God. So I guess from now till Jesus returns, we could talk about love. Uh, and there's so many things that you could say about love. But I want to look at... Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, and I want to focus in on verse 5. Love does not behave itself unseemly, does not seek her own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil. So I want to focus on thinks no evil. So love thinks no evil. And that means that we are uh, imputing or putting off on you and on me and people, probably not you and me, because... Well, maybe you and me. But it's really the people, when you find out if you can walk in love or not, it's like your family and your close friends, people that you live with. Yeah. And, um, uh, and then, of course, coworkers and, and different examples, uh, people that you come in contact with. But love thinks no evil. And one of my favorite quotes uh, from, from Henry Drummond, I want to read it to you. And uh, it's something that really impacted me. He says, love thinks no evil. It imputes no motive, sees the bright side, puts the best construction on every action. What a delightful state of mind to live in. What a stimulus and benediction even to meet with it for a day. Okay, some of that's kind of old language, but here's the part um, that I want to focus in on. And if we try to influence or elevate others, we shall soon see that our endeavor is successful in proportion to their belief of our belief in them. That's why I like it, because it makes me think, too. If we try to influence or elevate others, okay, so he's saying, like, I want to influence you, I want to elevate you, I want to help you. Like, how can, how can I help you if I want to do that? We'll soon see that our endeavor is successful in proportion to their belief of our belief in them. Meaning, if I use my wife as an example, if I'm going to believe in her, I'm saying, like, you know, she's never done worship before, like, what, eight weeks ago is when she started because, you know, the worship leaders had, you know, they got a job position and, you know, moved back to follow the Lord. So she 
does worship. Well, if I'm like, you know, you know you're really not that good at it, and, uh, you know, just always criticizing and finding fault, instead of believing in her, she's going to be successful in that endeavor, directly proportional to how much she thinks I believe in her, right? So your friends, and especially like your children or people that you're close to, whether we realize it or not, um, our words are seeds. Words are seeds, and the best seeds to plant are the Word of God words, because they'll produce a harvest after their kind. That's why when you, you know, maybe it's good to think of children. When we look at children and you speak words over them that are words of death, meaning oh, you're going to die. No, most people don't say that. The devil will tell you that a lot of times if you let him. But um, uh, they speak words like, well, you can't do it. You can't do that. You'll never measure up. You ever um, see the movie... Um, oh boy, somebody's going to have to help me. Pursuit yeah, Pursuit of Happiness, thank you. Anyhow, in that movie, there's a scene where, um, you know, he's basically uh, homeless with his son and trying to survive and try to make it through, and it's a true, based on a true story, and um, the guy that it's based on actually um, ended up being a very successful uh, guy in the stock market and those type of things, did, did really well. But in the middle of this, in the movie, he's playing basketball with his son, like on the roof of this uh, inner city building. And um, the son is saying something like, you know, hey, Dad, I really want to, you know, I'm, I'm going to be able to do this, and I'm going to be this amazing basketball player. Blah, blah. And he's like, the dad's really down. And he's like, oh, probably not. Most people never make that. Most people can't do that. And you can see the child's face just like falls. Like he was like, I can do this. I can do anything. And the voice of his father saying, no, I don't think so. That's not realistic. And the dad realizes what he just did, that he stole that from his son. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Daddy's wrong. You can do anything, right? So um, the impact, and of course, that was dramatized for the movie, but the impact that those situations have, not only the lives of children, but the lives of our friends and our own lives, we sometimes fail to measure. And we look a lot of times at, at that the subject of walking in love and the importance of walking in love, and we focus externally on, you know, I'm going to walk in love with Janice, right? But I have to walk in love with me. Because sometimes the worst words that are spoken over us have come out of our own mouth. I can't do this. I don't know what I'm doing. What was I thinking? Right? So sometimes we... Um, don't even realize it, but like we talked about last week, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And we're experiencing today really what we said yesterday. And um, we want to speak and, and say in line with the Word of God. So um, to respect a man is the first restoration of self-respect he's lost. Our ideal of what he is becomes to him the hope and pattern of what he may become. So um, you know, it's one of the areas of our Christian life that sometimes is not, it's the easiest thing in the world for all of us to look and say what we see or to feel something and say what we feel. Like you walk into a room and um, they've got the heater on full blast. You're like, oh, it's hot in here. Walk into a room and it's kind of cold. Like, oh, it's cold in here. Yeah. So um, you look and you see someone 
that maybe is not um, succeeding in their uh, effort, what they're working on. And you say, you're not very good at that, are you? You don't know what you're doing, do you? And uh, that doesn't elevate the other person. It kind of brings you down and like, oh, no, I can't do it. But Jesus Christ was the ultimate lover, right? Because he looked at us and God looked at us while we were messing up, while we were unsuccessful, while we were failing and said, you know what? I love you. And I love you not based on what you're doing. I love you because I am love. And so when we love people based on um, the love of God, it transcends and goes beyond people's actions. And they actually can become what we're believing in them to be, how we see them. And, you know, a lady came up to uh, uh, Brother Hagen, uh, and he told many people this. And she's like, I don't know what to do with my kids. You know, my son's out till like three in the morning all the time. And, uh, you know, he's just, Lord knows what he's doing and all this type of stuff. And, you know, Brother Hagin said, he said, well, I don't even have this from the Lord, but, you know, what you need to stop doing is you need to stop, you know, lecturing him when he comes in and doing such. How do you know I'm doing that? He said, well, because he's acting like that. I know that's what you're doing. You're criticizing him all the time and doing all this. And he said, you surround him in faith and love. That's how you get him back. And you stop worrying about him. Because she was up, you know, up all night worrying and everything. You give that to the Lord. You surround him in faith and love. So she said, uh, he saw her a year later, and she said, I did it. She said, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. But I stopped. I didn't talk to him. I didn't say anything to him, you know, about that, about him being out late. I just, you know, actually encouraged him and said, you know what? You were out till 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning last night. Don't, don't even try to come to church. Because she before, you know, you need to come to church. You should be in church. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. So she stopped. And... Uh, you know, he kept doing what he was doing. Well, you know, after a few weeks of that, he'd be out till four in the morning. And, uh, you know, she'd get up eight, eight thirty. He's getting up and getting dressed. She said, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm coming to church with you. And she said, oh no, you were out late. You need your rest. You don't need to come. And, you know, he's like, no mom, I'm going to go, go to go to church. So he went to church. And after I think two or three times of that, he got born again and was completely changed. But see, instead of her trying to control it and make sure everything was happening, she surrounded him in faith and love. And she said it was hard because she wanted to worry, like, what's he doing? What's he into in the middle of the night? What's going on with him? But she said, no, I give him to the Lord. I turn him over to the Lord, and I'm just going to believe in him. And, um, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, we would look and say, like, uh, when we're not surrounding people in faith and love, that we're looking more at, like, our thoughts than God's ability. Like, what, what's going on? Or, you know, why is this happening? But, uh, so, you know, I had heard that, of course, having been around Dad Hagen quite a bit, and um, I was pastoring, associate pastor up in Michigan, and a lady came to me, and it was, it was like uncanny. She said almost the same thing. She's like, my kids, like, you know, I don't know what to do with them. They're like off and doing all this stuff, and um, I don't, know, I don't know what to do. What should I do? You know, I want you to pray for my kids. Pray that they'll come back. And I said, I said, no. I said, you need to surround them in faith and love. And she was, looked at me like, what are you talking about? And I, well, so I related that same story. I said, I said, here's what you do. And she came back, I think it was about four months later, and she said, I did what you said, and it worked. That's not because I said it or because Brother Hagin said it. That's because Jesus said it, you know, um, when you surround people in faith and love, meaning 
I'm going to love you no matter what you do. Unconditional love. I'm going to love you the way God loves me. Right? And the way that God is love and the way that he is. Which means I'm not loving you based on what you do for me, based on who you are. You know, we, we read all these other ones uh, in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Sometimes um, we may say something that's right and true and somebody should be doing this, but it's not very kind. Right? And if we sometimes put ourselves, I think, in other people's shoes, it really opens up to us the love of God. Because how would you like to be treated? And think of, think of your worst day and what you were going through, and how would you want to be treated? Even when you're messing up, how would you want to be treated? So you want to surround them in love, but then faith says, I believe in God in you. I believe in you. So I believe you can do it. Like, you are well able to do this. And... When someone believes in you, it really makes you come alive. Think about it. You can, you can look at a place of business, and if you have a new authority come into the picture uh, that doesn't know people, man, it's so easy. Like, if that person believes in you, they're like, you know what? You can do it. You can do it. Yeah. You start to rise to that level, even if you can't do it, right? Even if you're like, I don't know. This is, like, really overwhelming. You're like, no, you can totally do this. You got this. I trust you. Versus someone that's coming in, like, constantly looking over your shoulder and saying, what are you doing? Do you know what you're doing? How's it going? You know, uh, uh, if you're that personality, which I'm a detail personality, so that's an area where I've had to grow in because I want to be like, okay, what's going on with this? And how's this going? Da, da, da. But you want to communicate, I believe in you. And when you have um, somebody come in and they expect the worst in you, generally that's what you're going to perform to especially, again, when you're talking about children, man, a kid will live up to what you believe in them and what you speak over them and what you say to them. Uh, but all of us, in one measure or another, also live up to that. And um, words are so powerful and so important. Uh, God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. So the way that we're going to let um, God live in us and dwell in us is, is through loving. So some people want to tell you like, oh, I'm so spiritual and, um, you know, I'm using gifts of the Spirit. Well, um, gifts of the Spirit, you know, the Lord actually spoke through a donkey. So it's wonderful. We love gifts of the Spirit. We contend for gifts of the Spirit. We have gifts of the Spirit that operate in the ministry. Um, and in the body of Christ. Uh, but as we read in 1 Corinthians 13, I don't care if I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love. It's, it's worthless. It's tinkling brass, a symbol. Uh, if I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have not faith, uh, and they have faith that can remove mountains and have love, I'm nothing. So you can be the most gifted speaker, the most gifted um, friend, the most wise worker. But if you don't have love, it, it doesn't... Uh, reconcile or add up to anything. Like you can, you know, and then he goes on to say, like, you could even be burned. So you could like be a martyr for Jesus Christ. But some people that are martyrs do it to be seen. Right? They, they want to go out, and particularly you can see like in other religions, people um, like are suicide bombers or stuff like that, they want to get credit. Like, look what I did, look what I did. So um, that's not walking in love. Obviously, that's not walking in love. 
Uh, let me read you a, a quick um, story from William Barclay. Someone may have, uh, he says, a very passionate faith. There are times when faith can be a cruel thing. There was a man who visited his doctor and who was informed that his heart was tired and he must rest. He telephoned his employer, who was a notable Christian figure, and told him the news only to receive the answer, I have an inward strength which enables me to carry on. So this guy like, got a bad report from the doctor, and he's like, you know, called the boss and said, hey, like, I, got, I got a bad report, sorry about this. And the, and the boss's reaction is, I have an inner strength which enables me to carry on. Uh, and he said, these are the words of faith, but there are words of a faith which knew no love and which therefore was a hurting and cutting thing. And so uh, if you are a Christian and have been a Christian for any length of time, the thing where we have to pay attention is that we don't let what we understand and what we know be a stumbling block for somebody else. In other words, like this boss is like, well, I have an inner strength. What's wrong with you? You know, look at me. But it's more we want to say, look at Jesus. And we let the compassion of God rise up in us and rise up through us and um, allow his love to dominate who we are and um, what we say. So that we're saying, uh, I don't really care what you do. I don't care what you're going through. I'm not going to see you after your mistakes. I'm going to see you in Christ. I'm going to see you the way God sees you. I'm going to see you living in him and, and successful um, him. So verse 4 of 1 Corinthians, love suffers long and is kind, does not envy and does not parade itself, does not behave itself unseemly, does not seek its own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, rejoices not uh, in iniquity or when people mess up, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, uh, love never fails. Love never fails is um, one of my favorites. Like, I want to, in my flesh, you just want to give up on somebody. You just want to say, oh, it's not going to work, and this isn't going to happen, and I don't care how much I've walked in love with them. Look what they're doing. Love never fails. And when you choose to walk in love, you'll see success after success after success. I mean, Jesus Christ had the greatest opportunity to say, this whole love thing does not work because he came and he loved and loved and loved and loved and loved for 33 years. And what did he get for it? He got crucified. And, you know, if they did that to him, what will they do to us, Jesus said. This is a really encouraging message, isn't it? <laughs> but love never fails. So when it looked like the darkest day for Jesus Christ, the devil certainly thought it was. Because the Bible says if he had known what he was doing, he would have never done it. He would have never crucified the Lord of glory. So... Um, Love never fails. And you see that, first of all, in the life of Christ. And, I mean, look at this group of people that he recruited to help him in ministry. And I didn't look it up before this message, but, you know, there's a, you can go online and find, like, everything that they were into. You know, you got the guy stealing the money and, um, you know, the tax collectors and some of what we would consider, like, um, the lower parts of society. And actually he had higher parts as well, so he had a pretty good spread of people in there. But he believed in them. You know, even when Peter's like denying him three times, say, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. How would you like somebody to be so embarrassed of you that they just denied you in front of other people? That's like one of your closest friends, right? Yeah. <laughs> Peter, James, and John. Uh, 
But Jesus still loved, and his love never failed. And he saw Peter as successful. He saw Peter as amazing. And he saw Peter as like one of the pillars of the church. And what was Peter? Right? He became, I mean, we read after him still today. And he was really used of the Lord. And when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he was enabled. So um, you guys know uh, in Jude, where it talks about... uh, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You know, right before that says, it says, keep yourselves in the love of God, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So one of the ways to help keep yourself in the love of God is to pray in the Holy Spirit. Because when you allow God to work through you and to speak through you, you give him access. And really you become more and more acquainted. I'm so thankful Uh, for the baptism of the Holy Ghost and to be able to speak in other tongues because, um, you know, what other means do we have that's supernatural that you can immediately bring into the natural and experience God like that? Right? I mean, you can speak in tongues right now and it's words that the Lord is giving you. It's supernatural. And so you stay connected there. And when you stay connected, you become more and more familiar, more and more acquainted, more and more given to that. So as you stay connected, you begin speaking, and uh, then as you begin speaking in your understanding, you'll find that you have uh, inspired words in your understanding, in English, if that's your, if that's your first language. You'll have um, uh, words that come forth and that come out, and then when words which are not of God begin to come out, you're kind of like, oh, you know, something, something's wrong down here, something's wrong down here, and the Holy Spirit will help us, and really, um, the Bible teaches that our own spirit will say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop, you shouldn't be saying that. You shouldn't be doing that because when you're, if any man be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we find that uh, when we speak by the Spirit of God, um, the life of God really is turning and abiding in us and comes out. And, uh, you know, right there in 1 John 4, where we started reading, no one can say that Jesus is Christ except by the Spirit of God. No one can call him Lord. And there's many voices in the world, and they're all significant. None of them, the Bible says there's none without significance. So we know that there's going to be many voices, uh, meaning you're going to have thoughts come to you. You're going to have ideas come to you. You're going to have uh, inspirations come to you, and they're not all of God. Well, how do we know what's of God? What's of God is uh, magnifying and glorifying Jesus Christ. So we know that when attention is drawn to Jesus, you know, and there's many other ways you can know this, not a study in here, the voice of God, um, but uh, the word of God will glorify God and will glorify Jesus. So biggest takeaway from today's message is um, we want to believe in people. And one of the best ways, I think, to believe in people is you put yourself in their shoes. And uh, like I've said for years, uh, I may not struggle uh, with sin in an area that you struggle with, be as challenged or as tempted. Jesus uh, was uh, actually tempted in every area, but without sin like all of us. But you might not be tempted in the same area as I am. So uh, Romans talks a lot about judging people, and um, you know, it's, it's a, something in the Bible that we're really told to not do. So if you compare yourselves with yourselves, the Bible says that's not wise. So I always like to look at you and look at me, and if I may see someone mess up in an area, and, you know, I don't like to say, like, how could they do that? Uh, when, I, when I say that, 
I don't, I don't speak that out loud. Um, I'm sure I have in the past, and hopefully I don't. Most of the time my wife could tell me better than I could tell. But I don't like to allow those thoughts to remain in my heart or to remain in my mind. I like to actually say, you know what? I might not mess up there, but I can mess up in another area. Because if I don't, then I'm kind of like elevating myself like I'm better than somebody else. And I like to elevate Jesus Christ because he's the best. He's better than all of us. And um, our job is to walk in love and to love each person that we come in contact with. And the more we love, the more we become like God. That's why Henry Drummond called his book The Greatest Thing in the World. He's like, there's many things you can strive for. There's many things that you could search for and look for and try to become. But um, the greatest thing in the world is to love. And that's what people are looking for. That's what you're looking for, whether you realize it or not. And that's what I'm looking for, is love. And that's one of the greatest things that we have. Romans 5 tells us it, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts, meaning we have like love in abundance. And um, because he gave us that love, we can, share, we can share that love. So if you'll stand with me, I want to pray for you uh, before we leave. You guys know the Ephesians prayers? Ephesians, there's a prayer that Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1. And another prayer that he prayed in Ephesians chapter 3. And I want to pray this over you um, and over me uh, today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that your word is alive and full of power, that you sent your word and you healed us, that you delivered us, that you set us free. Father, I thank you that your words will never pass away. And Father, I thank you that you um, caused your word to come to pass. And you told us to put you in remembrance of your word, Father. I thank you for these prayers that Paul prayed for the church uh, at Ephesus. And Father, we're praying these prayers right now for ourselves, or at least this prayer in chapter 3. Father, we pray that you, the Father of the whole family in heaven and earth, that you would grant us according to the riches of your glory to be strengthened with might by your spirit in our inner man, that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that we may be filled with all the fullness of you. Now unto you who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all the power that's working in us, to you be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages to the end of the world. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the love that you are that is in us. Father, we ask that you would uh, help us to grow in love, help us to... Um, walk more in love and become more and more like you, Father, that when we come in contact with people and they come in contact with us, Father, that we have a, a smell about us that is your love. Father, uh, thank you for the ability that we have to believe in other people, to help them rise up to what you've called them to be, to take their place. And Father, I pray for each person uh, that's here today or listening online. Father, I pray right now that you will fill them with the knowledge of your will Father, that you'll help them to know how much you believe in them, how much you love them, how much you trust them. Father, how much you're looking for us and you're rooting for us saying, go, 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 you can do it, you can do it. Father, we thank you for your great love and thank you that you gave it to us that we can give to others. In Jesus' name, amen.